0: Hey, thanks for checking out the Christ Fellowship podcast. My name's Richie Christie. I had the honor of giving the message, uh, continuing our series called Higher. And today we talked about sin, but not the hellfire brimstone view of it, but uh, really a Jesus-centered view of our sin. How does Jesus view our sin? How does he talk about it in the gospels? How does he paint the picture properly for all of us? And really seeing this idea that um, sin is not just our behavior, but our beliefs what we think and how uh, we see things flows out of our heart, and that's what determines our behavior. So I hope today as you dive into this that, uh, that it really challenges you. At the end, we kind of wrap up in some prayer time. So if you're listening to this, I encourage you just to take that time on your own to dig in to the why behind your what. Why am I doing what I'm doing? So enjoy. Father, we thank you. We thank you this morning just meeting us in this place yeah just kind of savor up just the sweetness of his presence right now just thank him thank him for meeting you here thank him for who he is Father would you reveal the true King Jesus this morning would you break down any yeah walls that we've built up around a, a false view of you or an untrue view of how you even see us, God. Would you just pierce through that and just give us fresh revelation of who you are, Jesus. We thank you, Lord Almighty, the Holy One. We love you. It's your name we pray. Amen. Amen. You guys can grab a seat. Man, so good. So good. You guys doing good? You enjoyed fall? First morning, I don't know if you know it. Fall's here. Uh, if you couldn 't tell though too it 's also here because my my voice uh, my my allergies are killing me, so off the bat, I apologize for any uh, abnormal coughing or excessive drinking of water uh, this morning as we uh, lean in together but if you 're new here i want to I want to say welcome, just like Logan and Amanda did uh, my name 's Richie Christie. I am our next gen pastor excited to dive in this morning with you guys. Um, I talk about uh, my family a lot, uh, but if you didn't know, I've got two, two young boys, River, who is about to be four, and then Abel uh, is 15 months right now. And as you can imagine, with two little boys uh, getting older and older, each day is getting a little rowdier and rowdier uh, in the house, right? But it's fun, honestly, it's a blast. Like raising, raising the two of them has been so fun. Uh, but sometimes, though, as all boys do, because I grew up with a brother as well, um, all every without fail, almost every day, someone takes it a little bit too far. All right, someone always takes it a little bit too far, uh, whether they're playing or WWE wrestling or acting like T Rexes in the house. Like, someone ends up taking it too far. And right now, with the age gap, as you can imagine, it's usually Abel, our young one, trying to keep up with his older brother, and then River taking it way too far, and Abel ends up crying somewhere, right? Uh, actually, this weekend, he he uh, experienced his first black eye, so that's pretty exciting for him. Uh, so if you see him in the lobby, that's what happened. Actually, we don't know what happened. It just appeared one morning, so that's, uh, that's that. But um, what's funny, though, is like Riv's kind of roughing him up right now. Uh, but Abel, at eight months, was wearing diapers bigger than River ever did uh, before he was potty trained. And as 15-month checkup, the doctor said he's probably going to be about 6'4". So I'm not sure how much longer this is going to last for River to be able to beat up Abel. But one thing that's funny is, um, you know, as things escalate in the house, you're trying to figure out how to navigate it as a parent. And so we just kind of used our... our, our our stairway upstairs is like, hey, if things, things get out of control, Rev, just go sit down, take a break. All right, take a breather. You need to head over there. But one of the things we're trying to work through is as he's, as he's like got out of control behavior at random moments, is to not just always talk about his behavior, right? Not just always talk about what he's doing wrong or, or what went on. But, but one of the questions we've been trying to ask him is why? Like, why did you do that? And, and not just let him get kind of a free pass of like, I don't know, right? Because he does that almost every time, why? But as, as you let him kind of calm down, breathe a little, the situation like, you know, slows down a little bit, he'll, he'll begin to answer a little bit. And he's just like, I was frustrated. Abel was taking this or, well, you know, and so then it's like, okay, like, and, and, and what did you do? Well, I kicked him. <laughs> I pushed him down. Okay, so was, did that, was that good? no. Okay. And so he's starting to grasp it a little bit, but that why question is what we're trying to get him to wrestle with. And, and really by the end of it, almost every time it's like, just trying to reinforce like, Hey, I know you got frustrated. I know things got a little crazy, but, but you gotta, you gotta think about like how to slow down and asking why not just react and, and, and really trying to like, just, just unpack why he's acting the way that he's acting. And almost every time the answer is this. Hey, if you don't blow up, if you don't, if you don't freak out, you just come get mom and dad. This situation will not end with you on the stairs, I bet, right? Just trying to help them out. Uh, it's funny just parenting young kids, trying to figure that out. But I was thinking about today, thinking about Abel's black eye, thinking about all this. And uh, I think as, as adults, you know, we, we react in certain ways and situations, Um, whether it's a situation at work, a family, we react certain ways, have certain, certain ways of responding to things. And I don't know how often we ever take the time to ask why. Why did I react the way that I reacted? Why did I do what I did? Why am I living how I'm living? Why... Am I constantly running to this way of escaping? Whatever it is, right? We might give it a second thought here and there. But if, you, if your family's like me, if your life's like me, sometimes as adults, I think life feels so busy, you've gotta get from one thing to the next, that rarely do you have a minute in your day to just sit back and go, why are things happening the way that they're happening? Why am I reacting the way that I'm reacting? Why am I living the way that I'm living, or maybe we do have the time, but sometimes we're maybe too scared to ask that question because we don't know if we want the real answer, right? And so today, as we, as we continue our series, Higher, uh, we've been in for quite a while. It's been really, really good. Uh, I wanna continue around this idea of having a higher view of sin. Uh-oh, <laughs> oh no, he said it, right? Um, But today I don't wanna talk about like the hellfire brimstone, get you shaking in your boots as you leave Sunday morning view of sin. I actually wanna give you quite the opposite. I wanna give you one of the deepest, uh, most transformative revelations I've had on this subject uh, around sin, around our behavior. Um, Because I think many of us have been taught a view of sin that really only cares about our behavior. Just managing our behavior, like my toddler on the stairs, right? Just, Just get in line, figure it out. But we've never been taught to ask the why behind our own behavior. Why am I doing what I'm doing? Why am I living how I'm living? So I wanna shift our thinking about sin this morning, even as churchy of a word that that can feel, and maybe that carries a lot of different weight for some of you depending on your upbringing or or what that was like. But I wanna give us a paradigm shift away from like the religious rhetoric around sin and really plant it in a Jesus way of viewing our sin. As we open the scriptures this morning, we look at a story of Jesus. I want us to see how does he handle it? How does he talk about it? And I hope that as we unpack that, that we're gonna see that sin is not just an action or behavior, but it's much deeper. And if I'm gonna find freedom in it, I need to start asking why. Why is this happening? And I think as we see that, we're gonna see that at the end of the day, your beliefs determine your behavior. When it comes to sin, your beliefs determine your behavior. I'll unpack that as we move this morning. But if you have a Bible, you can open to Matthew 15. I'm gonna read out of the NASB um, if you've got a Bible app. But Matthew 15, starting in verse one. <clears throat> Get some water here. It says, Then some Pharisees and teachers of the law came to Jesus from Jerusalem and asked, why do your disciples break the traditions of the elders? They do not wash their hands before they eat. Sounds like my grandma. Jesus replied, why do you break the command of God for the sake of your tradition? For God said, honor your father and mother, and anyone who curses their father or mother is to be put to death. But you say that if anyone declares that, we, that what we might have been used to help their father or mother is devoted to God. They are not to honor their father or mother with it. Thus, you nullify the word of God for the sake of your tradition. We'll read the rest of the story here in a minute. But this is, this is, uh, this is one of those stories where if you don't have the context, this just flew over your head, right? A lot of weird words going on here, a lot of like, what is he talking about? So I do wanna take time to unpack so we understand what Jesus is getting at here, right? Um, you see, Jesus was Jewish. It talks about at the very beginning that the Pharisees and teachers of the law uh, came from Jerusalem, so they're Jewish. All of these people in this, they followed the law given to Moses at Mount Sinai, written in the Torah, which is the first five books of our Old Testament, right? It's the, it's the story of the 10 commandments, I guess, to, to, to put it lightly, right? And there's pretty distinct language here, though, because it says that the teachers of the law came and said, why do you break the traditions of the elders? Which is one way of saying it. And Jesus says, why do you break the commands of God for the sake of your tradition? So they're talking about two different things here, right? They're talking about two different things, which is, which is interesting, right? Jesus, or, or they, what they say to him is, why do you break the traditions of the elders? They don't, they don't talk about the law there, right? But Jesus begins to talk about the law. There's a difference between the way these two groups are talking about the situation, and so in the law, in the Torah, the question is, does it tell them to wash their hands before they eat? No, actually, which is pretty surprising. In Exodus, anywhere where, where um, the law is given to Moses, it doesn't tell them anywhere that they have to wash their hands. But so, so we've got to ask, what are, what are they talking about? The traditions of the elders, what does that mean? If it's not the law given to Moses, what are, what are they talking about? Essentially what's going on here is there, as time went on in their their culture, there was like additional teaching, additional rabbinic teaching uh, given to how to further be faithful to the law, how to further live out the Torah, how to further just, yeah, just live faithfully to God. That wasn't necessarily given word by word to Moses at Mount Sinai, but it was kind of additional uh, just framework of holy living, I guess is the best way to put it. Uh honestly, I was thinking of a parallel here and this is what I thought of for, for today is, is Jesus gives us a command in the scripture that says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, right? And so maybe a way we would teach that now in our tradition would be, hey, like if you wanna love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, like a good step would be every day, try to, try to have some time with the Lord where you're reading the scripture, where you're praying, where you're worshiping, right? Good instruction. Was that instruction given by Jesus? No, there's nowhere in the Bible that Jesus is like, this is what your quiet time needs to look like. This is what your time with me needs to look like. But in our tradition, we've learned that, a, that that's a good step to take if you're trying to honor what the command of Jesus is, is given, right? So same thing here that we have going on, right? They, there is a law that says, do not eat anything unclean. So what's one, make, one way to make sure that you don't eat anything unclean? Wash your hands, right? Wash your hands before you eat. You'll be good, right? Um, but it's interesting because Jesus comes back and he's essentially saying, he gets into this whole honoring your father and mother, right? Which is a command given at Mount Sinai, an actual law given, right? Uh, in Exodus 22, it says, honor your mother and father. But at some point, it seemed, we seem to find out that in their tradition, um, it says that if you have something that could help your mother or father, but you've already devoted it to God, it's God's first, so don't give it to your mother or father. Which is essentially, Jesus is like, okay, so your mom and dad are sick, and you're like, good luck, sorry, I already gave it to God. And so he's flipping this whole thing, and he's trying to paint this picture of like, listen, sometimes you guys are making decisions and rulings about our behavior that aren't actually in line with what Moses taught in the Torah, and they don't align with it, Right? They don't align with this whole, the whole essence of what Jesus is trying to get at, right? Essentially, Jesus is saying, you're so concerned with your behavior and your traditions that you're actually missing the heart of why they're there in the first place, that you're you're missing it, right? And what is is something that uh, Jesus says later? This is Matthew 15. In Matthew 22, Jesus says this. He says, the whole law and the prophets are summed up as how? Love God and love others. So he's essentially saying if, if your practice of your beliefs, your practice, your behavior towards your, your religion is not leading you to loving God and loving others. And he doesn't separate them because I don't know if you know this, you can't love God if you don't love other people, right? Right? And he's saying it's all interconnected. And he's like, man, you're missing it. You've taken uh, honor your mother and father. You've added some other weird idea to it. And you've missed the very point, which is to love people, which is how you would love God, right? That is your honor to God, is to honor your mother and father. So he's saying you're missing it, you're missing it. And then he goes in the very next verse. He says this, in verse seven, Matthew 15, he says, you hypocrites, Isaiah was right when he prophesied about you, which is huge because this whole time they're trying to come at him with, with, their, with their rules and laws. And he's like, I'm just gonna quote from the book that I know you already have memorized. This is what he said about you. These people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. They worship me in vain. Their teachings are merely human rules. And then he goes on, he says this. Jesus called the crowd to him and said, listen and understand. What goes into someone's mouth does not defile them, but what comes out of someone's mouth, that is what defiles them. In verse 15, Peter said, explain the parable to us. Jesus says, are you so dull? (laughs) Which is hilarious to me. Jesus is like dissing him, right? He says, are you so dull? Jesus asked him, It's a pretty big moment here, right? Because he's kind of drawing a line in the sand. He's drawing a line in the sand to kind of redirect their thinking. And Jesus is like, listen, you've, you've made a lot of different ways to be faithful to God, but somehow in the middle of that, you've missed it. You've missed the point is where your heart is because that is actually what drives all the other stuff. Out of your heart is where all of your actions are going to come. Out of your heart is what you actually believe. And it drives you and how you live and how you treat people and your behavior. And that is where the cleanliness comes from, is out of your heart. He says it another way in in the scripture. He says, out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. So I say this often when when I'm teaching through a story of Jesus, because I think it's important to keep at the forefront of our mind. Is yes, he's teaching, you know, practical things here, but... Jesus is also redefining who God is for the people and for us. And he does it pretty directly in this story that you've, you've, you've thought this way, but I'm, I'm realigning, I'm showing you that I am the true revelation of who God is, right? And so Jesus is, is showing us who God is, right? And who he's always been. Right? And so if we wanna know what, how does God handle sin, how does God think about law in our heart and all of this stuff, it's, he's showing us directly. And, and what Jesus' primary concern when it comes to sin is the state of your heart. It's the central part of the human soul carries all of your emotions. It carries all of your beliefs and out of your heart, the rest of your life will follow. So Jesus is once again flipping the religious system on its head in their day and doing it to us today. When it comes to sin, you were so concerned with your behavior, what to do, what not to do, yet you've missed that all of your behavior flows out of your heart, that all of your behavior flows out of your beliefs, All of your sin is not primarily a behavior issue. It's a heart issue. It's a belief issue. And it all centers there is what he's trying to get them to see, right? And maybe you don't quite see it yet, but let me frame it this way, right? Because if it's all in our heart, if you wanna know what you believe about God, when you're in a situation where Maybe you need, you need money to, to pay the next bill or you need him to come through in a, in a relational situation. It's your first response to kind of come up with a, whatever strategy you can to ensure that it works or you are a person that leans in and trusts that he's gonna provide. That, that, that situation will expose, what do I believe about God? Is he a provider that meets all my needs or am I my provider? Am I the one that has to hustle and make it work? Jesus responds in the Sermon on the Mount, he says, do you not know that even the the flowers are clothed by God? Right, like I provide, I meet every need, right? Or maybe when life is stressing you out and you feel overwhelmed, where do you retreat to? Is it into him as a refuge or are there other ways of coping that you've built up to escape? the pressure of life, right? These, these situations will expose, what do I believe? So out of my heart, my life will, will speak. And, and we might wanna say, man, I trust in God. I believe in him, I trust him. But, but sometimes he'll use those situations to actually expose your true belief. You wanna know why you're behaving, why you're behaving. Well, let's look in the heart. What's really going on? Why are you really responding this way? What, 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 what is, what's really happening here? you want to wrestle with what do you believe about yourself right so again another belief system another thing in your heart why are we so fearful to open up to others around us you know we've been talking about this a lot with the men in the church lately we did that that huge push with with small groups with guys because there's this whole isolation epidemic they're calling it and uh, man what does it say about what I believe about myself if I'm too afraid to t- let other people in Maybe it's because, man, I, I know that if people knew what I know about me, they'd reject me. So I'm not even gonna put myself in that situation. So how am I behaving? I'm gonna isolate, I'm gonna pull back, I'm gonna not be in community, I'm gonna be addicted to my phone, I'm gonna find other coping, whatever it is, right? What do you believe about others? How is this exposed? Why am I so quick to view people who don't think like me, look like me, talk like me, believe like me as my enemy? Am I really always right? (laughs) What does that expose about what you believe about the world and people and all of that, right? You see, all of these things, I could ask a million different questions to you, but all of them, all of them, all of our behaviors, attitudes, habits actually flow from our beliefs. They flow from your heart. And guess what? Sometimes our beliefs aren't right. Sometimes what's in our heart isn't right. And so what comes out of our heart might not be right either. And so I think, man, the paradigm shift I want to give you guys, the way of thinking higher in this, and I hope you're already getting it, but it's, it's this, man, like so many of us view sin and have been taught about sin as essentially don't do this or else, Right? Like, it's don't do this, don't mess it up, right? So it's 100% behavior-centered or it's 100% fear-centered. It's 100% behavior-based thinking. And so we, like them, make up all these other rules so we don't sin or we don't do the bad stuff without actually exposing what's going on in our heart. I remember in college, I was in this, really this first like leadership Bible study. We're all leading different Bible studies around campus. And so we had this time, uh, where all the Bible study leaders had a time to get poured into. And uh, there was one semester where we kind of started going after, after sin issues. And so each guy kind of kind of said their thing. And it, it was various ranges of whatever, whatever guy was struggling with, whatever it was, right? But here's what, what we decided was, okay, you've got your thing. And in order to hold you accountable, every week you're gonna come back and you're gonna report on did you mess up the thing that you said you need to like, do better in? I don't know how else to phrase that. <laughs> right? And, and so we'd come and, and we'd give a report. And here's what the, the punishment was, is if you messed up, every other guy had to do 20 pushups and you had to watch him do it. And so we basically would go around in this living room. And I remember at the time being like, this is kind of cool. like. You know, like we were holding each other accountable, we're doing it right. But what I realized as life went on, thinking about that story, is the thing we never got at was what was really going on beneath the service. Like we're, we could sit there and do f- 120 push ups for how many ever guys messed up that week and whatever they were doing. But there wasn't enough conversation about what's really going on, right? And so we came up with different traditions. Or, or, or strategies to fight this, but it wasn't really working, right? And, and is that inherently bad, what we did? No, in fact, like it's probably better than nothing in some regards, but it was not getting at the heart, right? It was not, not getting and working down deep in the heart, which is where real breakthrough will come. And so how do we find that breakthrough? How do we dig in to really find freedom in our sin? To not just be weighed down by it or terrified of what God thinks about us in it. How do we find breakthrough? I think the breakthrough comes in the asking why. And I think we see this in Psalm 139. I want you to read this with me. The psalmist writes, he says, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my anxious thoughts and see if there's any hurtful, or other versions say, offensive way within me and lead me to the way everlasting. So this, the psalmist is praying, God, search me, search my heart. You know my heart, you know what's going on. Even if I don't know what's going on, search me and know me. It, it reminds me of the whole, this whole series based off Isaiah 55. The end of, towards the end of Isaiah 55, verse eight and nine, it says, my ways are higher than your ways. My thoughts are higher than your thoughts. But it's the Lord inviting us to know his thoughts and ways. Search my heart, God. You know what's in my heart, even if I don't understand it. I can't put language to it. Reveal to me what's going on. Try me and test my anxious thoughts. See if there's any hurtful or offensive way within me. What's going on within my heart that's hurting me, that's offending me, that's, that's, that's messing up my life? Because as you reveal that, it'll lead me to the way everlasting but he's essentially asking this why. And I think we've taught generations of Jesus followers how to manage our behavior through basically like, do more Christian things, pray harder, be better. And then we're surprised when people are like, it's not working, (laughs) like I'm still struggling with a thing I've struggled with for 20 years. And honestly, that's probably some of our stories, right? As we keep white knuckling and trying, but here, In the story, Jesus is like, okay, but but what's going on in your heart, deep within you? What do you really believe about yourself, about God, about others, about the world that's causing your behavior? And we've gotta, again, Jesus is showing us who God is like. Look how he handles sin in this situation. Or you could go through story after story in in the gospels. What does he do with the adulterous woman? They, they throw this lady in the street and they're like, hey, our law says that we should stone her. What do you think we should do, Jesus? And Jesus is, draws a line in the sand and says, he who's without sin can cast the first stone. And he, he, he sits and has a conversation with this woman and it ends and it says, go and sin no more. Never talks about her behavior. Because what does he get at? He gets at her beliefs. I'm gonna, I'm gonna shift your beliefs about who God is by showing you that I see your sin and still love you. So, so, so know that I have unconditional love for you and I'm gonna dignify you or all these other men are gonna throw you in the street. I'm gonna sit with you here and work through this. And that is going to cause her to go and sin no more because I've redirected all your beliefs. And he does it story after story. You could do a study on this. Same as Zacchaeus in the tree, right? The woman at the well, right? Everybody hates their behavior and how they act and, and, and wants Jesus to condemn them, but Jesus gets at their heart and that's what sets them free. And that's the same invitation for us today to realize your beliefs determine your behavior. And we need to stop being so focused on our behavior when it comes to sin. And we need to start doing the true good and hard work of wrestling with why. Why am I doing what I'm doing? Why am I living how I'm living? And as we ask why, I think we need one more shift in thinking and I'll end here. A shift in thinking, another higher view of sin is is to realize that anytime Jesus confronts sin in my life, it is not to shame me, but it is to change me. It is to change me into God has always called me and designed me to be. That's what it is. So so again, we've always been taught sin as behavior modification. And so we can't really be surprised when most people's primary experience with this is just shame. And you just, oh, I'm such, a, I'm such a sinner, I'm such a mess. And we just sit in that and there's no transformation out of it. And so maybe I need to shift my mind to see that anytime Jesus exposes or, or, or prods at that area of my life or this, this sin issue, man, it's not to shame us, but to change us and to call us into who we've always been designed to be. And so maybe this morning, something's coming to your mind and, and you know your life, I don't, I don't know your life. You know your thing, I know my thing. But maybe we need to realize that our, our story is, is just I mean, Jesus gives us a parable about it, the prodigal son. You could have ran as far as you wanted to run from God and done everything the opposite of what he's called you to do. And what does the story tell us? He's waiting, come home. That's the gospel. The gospel is not, hey, you're a mess, get your act together because I'm mad at you. The gospel is, yes, there's a mess, but I've come to clean the mess and come follow me and I'll get you out of the mess. Like I'm, I'm here for you, I'm walking with you, right? We complicate the gospel so much. John three sixteen, for God, you could quote it. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life have you ever read the next verse John three seventeen? for God did not send the son into the world to condemn the world but that the world might be saved through him so why how have we messed this up so bad God came to the world not to condemn you, to shame you, to to beat you down in your sin, but to give you a right picture and say that he's saving you, saving the world. And maybe maybe we need to ask, save from what? I'm sure you've been taught many different things, but I wanna give you another way to think about this. Maybe another way to think is to save you from your own self-destruction. Maybe he wants to help you. Maybe his heart isn't for you to be terrified of hell, fire, and brimstone, but to experience the fullness of life found in him. Maybe he is full of love. Maybe he actually, that actually is who he is. That's the invitation this morning. So we've all got it, right? And I don't know what your thing is. And maybe for some of us, it is some big, huge, you know, habit that's, that's held us down, it's sin pattern, that's really, really has been kind of that self-destruction. And, and the invitation for you this morning is to have that image of the prodigal son at the forefront of your mind. He sees you, he knows everything you've ever done, he looks upon you with love over and over and over again. It's, it's all he knows about you, is love. But maybe for some of us, it's a little bit different. I know for me, as I was wrestling through this, the question that was coming to mind is really kind of like what little sins am I letting linger around in my life? They aren't bad. I haven't killed anybody this week. That's good, right? Hidden, that's a good mild benchmark, right? Set the standard high. But what what little sins are we letting linger around in our life that aren't like killing us, but they're not leading us to the fullness of life? What, what like habits or behaviors have you managed in your life that aren't like totally destroying your life? But if you're honest, you're like, yeah, this, isn't, this probably isn't good. But we've gotten so good at managing it. And I think this morning, Jesus, wherever we're at on the spectrum of that, he's inviting you to, to ask why. Why are we doing this? What's going on? And so I want to end this morning with that. I don't want to just teach on it. I want to give you guys some space to wrestle through that. And so we're going to have one more song of worship. But before we get into that, I just want to lead you through just a time of just reflective prayer, just in this. And maybe this is new to you and that's fine, but um, don't just rush through, you know, and sit in the teaching. But I really encourage you guys to, yeah, let's just lean in here for a second. And So if you would just close your eyes with me or, yeah, whatever you need to do to get undistracted and just be present to him. So just ignore whatever's going on in your mind or whatever you gotta go to next. So we just ask, Jesus, we come to you this morning. We thank you. We thank you for who you are and you are good. I want you to to just use that image of the prodigal son. I want you to think about that. The father sitting on the front porch. Just picture the story in your mind. And you, wherever you're at with your view of self, your view of sin, you're in the long road off. But he's looking at you. And he's full of love when you don't expect it. He's full of receiving you, even if you think you don't deserve it. And I want you to just let him bring to mind what is that thing in your life that has been hidden or that's been a habit that's weighed on you for a long time? What is that sin issue that you've been, it's just been there and you can never quite shake it or whatever it is. Just let whatever that is come to mind. And I want you to realize that he sees that and I want you to hand that over to him, hand the behavior over to him. And just ask, Holy Spirit, can you reveal why this is happening? What is causing me to behave this way? What is causing me to act this way, or to live this way? Isaiah 55, give me a higher view, more insight, more revelation into this. And lead me to the way everlasting.